The New York Rangers have been eliminated from the Stanley Cup playoffs in seven games by the New Jersey Devils, and I feel absolutely nothing because the Rangers took Game 7 off. They got run out of the building by the Devils. They fail Igor Shesterkin by hitting the Devils their first two goals on a silver platter. Artemi Panarin plays the worst hockey of his NHL career. All this and much, much more on today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 818 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, and we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off of your first purchase. And as I just mentioned a second ago, you know, for a Game 7 and being now in the aftermath of a Game 7, I felt absolutely nothing during this game, and especially after this game. You know, you watch a Game 7 no matter who your team is. And you don't even have to be a fan of either team. If you watch a Game 7, there's usually a lot of tension, a lot of excitement. Uh, You get the butterflies in your stomach kind of a feeling. Uh, I felt more of that watching the Panthers play the Bruins in Game 7 than I did watching the Rangers play the Devils in Game 7. And that should never happen because, of course, I am a fan of the New York Rangers. But this is about as unexciting of a Game 7, if you're a Ranger fan, as you can possibly imagine. There was never a moment in this game where the Rangers had the better of play. There was never a moment where they outworked the Devils. There was never a moment where... uh, Uh, They got their game going a little bit. There was never any reason to believe that the New York Rangers were going to find a way to win this game. And of course, in theory, you know, it's still in reach. You know, you're scoreless after one and you're down one nothing early in the second period and even two nothing. You would think that, uh, okay, you know, we still got a shot at this thing. By the time this score went two to nothing, this game was over. Done. Finish. Kaput. No chance the Rangers are coming back and winning this game. No chance the Rangers, down to nothing, are going to find a way to score three goals in this game. That's what happens when every single star player on your team, and, and basically just every single player on your team, other than Igor Shesterkin, is a complete and utter no-show. And that's what the Rangers got in Game 7. It's also what the Rangers got in Games 4 and 5 of this series. I think certainly uh, the coaching staff has to answer that. The players have to answer that. And this series loss... When you look at it as a whole, the fact that they were up 2 nothing, the fact that they took three games off in this series, and especially took Game 7 off, this series, and especially this Game 7 performance, all of it together, this stuff is going to stick to a lot of players on the New York Rangers for a very long time, whether it's Artemi Panarin or Patrick Kane. Mika Zibanejad, Chris Kreider. I mean, Mika and Kreider got it going a little bit, and Kreider had a good amount of points in this series, uh, but he also had a dreadful Game 7. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit as well. Adam Fox disappeared after a hot start. Uh, the kids couldn't get anything going. You could pretty much go up and down the lineup. Trocek was invisible, um, and, and there was no fight. There was no snarl. There was no energy coming from this Ranger team, and I think that's why myself and a lot of Ranger fans feel so empty right now. They never gave us a reason in this game to you know jump out of our seats, uh, you know, fist pump, yell, scream, get excited, get happy, get feel anything. Just feel something. I felt nothing watching this game last night. And when it ended, it wasn't like, I mean, maybe it'll sink in later. You know, I'll be upset about this or I'll be angry or whatever the emotions might be. Maybe the same thing goes for you guys, uh, the everydayers as well. But for the time being, 
just numb. Just they didn't care. So, so why should I care that much? You know, if, if I care more than the players do, uh, if you guys care more than the players do, that's a problem. And I don't know if that's 100% the truth, but watching the Rangers' performance in this game last night in Game 7, uh, combined with the fact that they also pretty much no-showed Game 5 and Game 4 as well, um, you know, that's obviously not a good thing. And uh, like I said, this performance, this showing from the Rangers in this series, and especially in Game 7, uh, this is going to stick to these players uh, for a very, very long time. You know, you're hopeful after the first period that the Rangers can still get it going. The first period was definitely lackluster for the Rangers, I thought for sure. Uh, they got outplayed at times in the first period. But you were still just kind of hopeful because, you know, Igor Shesterkin, he's got his A game. He's made a couple of really nice saves here. He's kept us in it. Uh, the Rangers had some power play opportunities that they could not convert on. But, you know, at least they're forcing the Devils into taking some penalties. Maybe you can finally break through on the power play a little bit later in this game. Uh, nothing materialized. And I tweeted out after the first period that, okay, bad news is that the Devils are clearly outplaying the Rangers right now. The good news is that Igor Shesterkin has his A game, and we're still scoreless after one. And you figure, okay, the Rangers, they'll step on the gas, they'll get it going for the final 40 minutes. But I also included in that tweet, if they play the way they did uh, in the first period for the final two periods, probably not going to get it done. And as it turned out, the first period was far and away the best period that the Rangers played. And we're talking about a period here where 13 of the first 14 shot attempts belonged to the New Jersey Devils. The Rangers spent the entire period, uh, minus the power plays, trapped in their own zone and back on their heels and basically relying on Igor Shesterkin to go into God mode. It's, it almost looked like watching this game, the Rangers figured they could just win this game one to nothing in double overtime, score some lucky fluky goal and rely on Igor Shesterkin to make about 65 or 70 saves uh, You know, in, in the meantime. And obviously, that's just not going to cut it. Devils, credit to them. I mean, listen, I'm one of the few people, and I see some comments, you know, on the YouTube section and everything. That's all well and good. Everybody can can leave a comment. Uh, we've had some Devils fans kind of jump on here for the podcast. And I mean, hey, if I'm a Devils fan, I'm going to listen to any podcast I can find right now. I'm going to read any article I can find right now because I'm sure they're feeling really good right now. But, you know, the idea that I didn't give credit to the Devils, I said coming into this series, and it's something that I'll say again right here, right now, I don't think a single team in the NHL worked harder against the New York Rangers in the regular season than the Devils. And, and you know, I, I gave a lot of credit to Akira Schmid, and obviously the Devils ran the Rangers out of the building last night and came through in the clutch in the Game 7 when the Rangers did not. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Devils were, were far and away the better team, and the Rangers, you know, two things can be true. The Devils played an outstanding hockey game last night, and the Rangers didn't show up last night. And when you put those two things together, all the puck luck, and all the Igor Shesterkin magic in the world is not going to make a difference. The Rangers had no chance of winning this game uh, the way that they played uh, pretty much for the entire 60 minutes and certainly for the final 40 minutes. And I want to kind of turn our attention to really illustrate you know, what went on in this game and just how frustrating it was and how the Rangers truly pulled a complete no-show. Look no further than the first two goals of this game scored by the New Jersey Devils. And we'll start with the first goal here. Just an absolutely horrible play by Adam Fox and Chris Carter. I'm sorry. I know I'm being a little harsh here. There's no other way to say it. This was terrible by both of them. Uh, Mika Zibanejad tried to pick them up. He came sliding into the screen trying to break up a scoring opportunity. Mika didn't look great on this play either. But the whole thing was set up by laziness and sloppiness by Adam Fox and Chris Kreider. I'm not going to put this one on Mika. He could have defended this a little bit better, but he was trying to clean up the mess uh, that Adam Fox and Chris Kreider uh, had already created by sliding across the ice. It didn't work. Um, you had... So, so let's take it from the top of this play. So it's four on four. The Rangers are about to get their guy back onto the ice and begin the power play. And I honestly think what happened here, part of what happened, the Rangers got a little bit too obsessed with trying to run out the remainder of the four-on-four. Four. They were just going to 
you know, maintain possession of the puck in their own zone, grind out the remaining time that was left on the four-on-four, wait for their guy to get back on the ice, and then go to work, and then try to advance the puck up the ice for the power play. I honestly think that's what they got caught doing here, and I guess they just assumed that the the Devils were going to sit back, also knowing that the Rangers were about to go on the power play, but Andre Pilat had other plans. You know, he came up, uh, got in Adam Fox's face, pressured him in the corner, got the puck away from him briefly, had a chance to shoot from the face-off circle. Now, Fox and Kreider, they they had him two-on-one, and they kind of outnumbered him and got possession of the puck back for the Rangers. Kreider tries to skate away with the puck, and at that point, Palat chases him, chases him down from behind, steals the puck from him, picks his pocket, basically. Palat now has the puck. He's got Adam Fox in front of him, absolutely undresses Adam Fox, uh, goes to the net, and that's when Mika, like I mentioned, he came sliding into the screen and tried to break up, you know, a late developing two-on-one, so Mika's not really in his element there. He did the best that he could, um, but you get the pass, you know, from Palat. He gets it, you know, through Mika over to McLeod. McLeod, little forehand, backhand on the doorstep, tucks the puck home, and it's one to nothing in favor of the Devils, but just a miserable play here by both Adam Fox and Chris Kreider. You just expect your star players to to be better than this, to work harder than this, to want it more than this, to have their heads in the game more than this. Uh, Andre Palat went in there and basically, um, he basically went one on three against Fox, Kreider, and Mika. And again, I'm not going to kill Mika on this play, but the other two, yeah, that that was just absolutely awful by Fox and Mika. Credit to Palat for making a play there, um, getting it to McLeod, and McLeod scores on the backhander. And like I said, I do think the Rangers on this play were too obsessed with trying to run out the remaining time left on the four on four, because right before this, the Rangers were shorthanded, there was a penalty on the Devils, and Tyler Mott, uh, did what I thought was a smart thing. He carried the puck basically from the devil zone all the way back up the ice, back into the ranger zone, and he was trying to run out the clock uh, on the devil's power play, you know, whatever time was remaining there. But when Mott was doing it, you can understand it a little bit more because it's a risk-free play. You know, once the devils touch the puck on the delayed penalty, the whistle's going to blow anyway. Here, you know, Fox and Kreider are, are just messing around in their own zone, and I, I think too focused on trying to run out what was left of the four-on-four and get their team on the power play. And uh, Plot and uh, to a lesser extent, McLeod made made both of them pay for it, and, and just an ugly goal there. Uh, you know, it's funny because coming into this game, I was talking about what an opportunity this was for the Rangers. You know, if you're somebody who had uh, a little bit of a rough regular season or a rough showing so far um, in the first six games of this series, I mean, you've got everything in front of you at this point. It's a winner-take-all game seven. You've got a chance to make a lot of people forget about a so-so regular season or a bad performance thus far in the playoffs and not a single New York Ranger where that applies to took advantage of that opportunity. What ended up happening is the Devils ended up taking advantage of that opportunity. You've got Andre Pilat. That play by him, um, you know, that, that was only his second uh, assist of the postseason of the seven games here, and I, I don't believe he scored a goal before this. I could be wrong, but I don't think he did. So, Andre Pilat erases a lackluster uh, first six games with an excellent play there. And then you've got a little bit later, you know, Tomas Tatar, he ends up scoring a goal, his first of the playoff run as well. And that made it two to nothing in favor of the Devils. And he erases, you know, a lackluster first six games. So the Devils players who had maybe underperformed a little bit, they took advantage, full advantage of the opportunity to play in a game seven to put their best foot forward. And to, like I said, basically erase a lackluster first six games. None of the Rangers took advantage or even looked like they wanted to take advantage of the opportunity that was in front of them there. You know, a big game seven, from anybody, anybody who hasn't performed at their best would have gone a long way into, you know, basically just undoing a lackluster first six games, you know, for for whatever player uh, on the Rangers that felt like stepping up. But apparently nobody felt like stepping up. And, you know, I mentioned uh, the uh, Tatar goal just a second ago, so we might as well dive into the second goal here as well. Uh, This is just as bad as the first one, I would say. Maybe not quite as bad, but but pretty close. Um, You've got Marino 
basically just being allowed to walk straight to the Ranger net without any resistance whatsoever. There's three, at least three players that could have, you know, put a body on him, God forbid. I mean, the Rangers weren't doing any of that in this game. At least tried to break out the play. I mean, at least stick check him, something. But what basically what happens here, Marino's got the puck in the neutral zone and gains the blue line. Mikola, you know, is skating backwards for the Rangers, and he's giving all kinds of ground here. And then he basically goes to a knee and just slides right out of Marino's way. So that was awfully nice of Mikola to do that for Marino, just get out of his way and let him go to the net. Then you've got Kreider absolutely just loafing on his back check here. Kreider, from the second that he crossed over the blue line to enter the Rangers zone and, you know, go back there on the back check, uh, he did not move his legs a single time in this play. He just glided into the Rangers zone, got close to Marino as Marino's going to the net, and gives him, you know, a light little push. That That's all the resistance we got from Chris Kreider on this play. Uh, never slowed down Marino for a second. Marino just bounced off him, continued to go to the net, was not able to get his shot on net. But Tarasenko was there too, and it was kind of the same deal with Tarasenko. You know, Tarasenko, I don't even think he reached out with his stick to try to stop Marino. So Marino misses the net, pucks loose behind the net, and Marino goes and, and gets the puck, and Kreider, there he is, still just kind of gliding in the general direction of the puck. Uh, Marino gets there faster, obviously, makes it behind the back, behind the back pass, excuse me, in front to Tatar. Nobody picked up Tatar. You know, there were three Rangers in the area in the general vicinity of, you know, the crease there, but nobody really noticed him or, you know, got over to, to defend him in some way, to body him or try to break up the pass here. It was just way too easy. It was a great play by the Devils. Again, you know, give them credit for working hard on this play, uh, but the Rangers did not defend this play anywhere near as well as they're capable of and certainly that you would expect them to in a Game 7. Look, if something like this happens, there's a bad goal to give up in a game in December. You know, it's not great, but, I mean, a two-game regular season, it's going to happen from time to time. You don't expect this kind of a complete lack of effort, complete lack of execution, just not having your head in the game in a Game 7 against your division rival. It's just completely inexplicable. And like I said, there's a lot of Rangers uh, on this team, players and coaches, that are probably going to have to answer uh, to this. But, you know, the Rangers, basically through their own lack of compete here, they hand goals to noted offensive juggernauts Michael McLeod and Tomas Sitar. Unacceptable. Just, just garbage efforts by the Rangers on both of these goals. Credit to the Devils for being opportunistic, uh, but the Rangers did absolutely nothing to slow these guys down. And just like that, they're in a 2 nothing hole, and the game is essentially over. And I, I never say that. I always think a team can come back. Uh, the way the Rangers were playing just wasn't going to happen at this point. Two goals was way too much. Rangers weren't going to score two goals in this game. And technically, at this point, they need to score three goals, and that certainly wasn't going to happen. Um, we're going to keep everything rolling in just a second. I want to talk in greater detail about the first period. Rangers had some chances in the first period. And like I said, something of a lackluster opening first 20 minutes, but probably, no, not even probably. It was their best period that they played uh, the entire game. It just got worse and worse as the game progressed. Uh, we're going to do all that good stuff in just a second here. But first, we got to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers is brought to you by Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun that you are about to have. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets... For football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more, the Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. 
Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're all set. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. All right, we just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And to the everydayers, I, I really I can't thank you guys enough for going through uh, this roller coaster with me, this thing that we call New York Ranger hockey, all the highest highs, all the lowest lows. I think last night is a pretty prime example as far as the lowest lows are concerned. So a big thank you to the everydayers. You know, I hear from people that have been listening for, since, you know, we were at like 10 episodes, 20 episodes. So that's obviously a really cool thing. Uh, now over 800. And for anybody who's new here, uh, listen, you're, you're more than welcome to stick around. We'd love to have you. We've kind of built like a, I like to think of it as like just a fun little Ranger community here. We all, you know, talk to each other. We discuss Ranger hockey. We, we debate things with each other. It's a lot of fun. And um, we keep each other from going crazy, which which I think we're going to all need to do after uh, what we saw from this team last night. But we're not slowing down here. I realize the Ranger season obviously comes to a very abrupt very uh, disappointing end, to say the very least. But, man, we're going to keep things rolling in the offseason here. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Obviously, I'd rather the Rangers still be playing. But we're going to be talking about what the future holds for Gerard Gallant. I'm planning on doing a uh, two-part episode where we make a case against Gallant stick, sticking around, and we make a case for him. Uh, we're going to be took, taking a look at you know, the draft, uh, Ranger free agents, who they should re-sign, who they should let walk, whatever the case might be there. Uh, certainly going to look also at you know, which Rangers could be on the trade block and a whole bunch of other stuff as well. Uh, so definitely stick around if you're new to the show. And once again, for the everydayers, cannot thank you guys enough for, for always being here and always supporting the show. And uh, again, just kind of going through the roller coaster together because uh, Ranger, being a Ranger fan is, is never easy. Um, we get some pretty cool moments, but obviously the championships are few and far between. But I do want to talk, shift our attention here to the first period because this is where the Rangers had a chance, you know, in, basically in spite of themselves, to maybe take an early lead in this game and they just were not able to do it, uh, the power play issues. This, to me, is what really cost the Rangers in this series. You know, you live by, by, excuse me, let's try that again. You live by the sword, you die by the sword. And that's what we saw here. The Rangers were just brutal on the power play down the stretch, one for their last 21 to close out this series on the man advantage for the New York Rangers. And, you know, the Devils, obviously, they played a lot better as this series went on. We've established that clearly. Um, but one thing that they kept doing wrong, one mistake that they kept making, they were taking a lot of penalties in this series and a lot of penalties that they really did not need to take. We saw some examples of that in the uh, in the first period here. And I want to go ahead and just kind of look at the, the three power plays that the Rangers got in the first period just to see if we can figure out what went wrong. Because the Rangers had three power plays in the first 14 minutes of this game. You've got to cash in at least one of them. And two of them were basically back-to-back. The second and third power play for the Rangers, I mean, there was maybe like a minute between the two of them, if that. So you got to put the puck in the net in one of these. Uh, there's too much talent up and down this lineup and certainly on the power play units for that to not happen. And, um, you know, obviously not scoring there really cost the Rangers. They had a chance to, you know, take an early lead, maybe even score twice on the power play. What a wild situation that would have been for this team. But, um, yeah, couldn't get the job done, obviously. The first power play, Tyler Mott shifts onto the ice. He gets tripped in the neutral zone. Mott, one of the few players that I thought actually competed, actually, you know, at least showed up in this game. But Rangers to the man advantage. You get a face-off win by Mika. 
And, you know, it, the power play only lasts 33 seconds because the Rangers end up taking a penalty. Uh, the Devils get the puck out of the zone. You've got Heashier driving to the net. Adam Fox has position, but just was not able to cut him off. He sure went, you know, to the outside of Adam Fox, kept driving, kept, you know, pushing hard to get to the net, and he got there, and Igor made the save, but Adam Fox had to hold He sure while this was happening, and Fox is bigger than He sure. I, I don't know the exact heights and weights right now off the top of my head here, but he's bigger. Uh, there's no excuse for this. You cannot let this happen, and uh, Adam Fox has to take a penalty. Adam Fox had a really rough game, and just like that, the power play is over after a grand total of, what was it, 33 seconds? So great first power play there, you know, taking a penalty 33 seconds into it. The second power play, now this is the one that actually looked like the Rangers had a couple of good chances. Uh, Mott draws another penalty. You know, they should have just left Mott out there on the power play. He's out there at least competing. He's out, I'm saying that like half seriously. I don't really think Mott should have been out there on the power play. But he's out there drawing penalties. He's competing his butt off. You know what? If he's the one making things happen and competing hard, and drawing penalties, then let him out there, let him uh, enjoy the fruits of his labor. He drew the penalty, so put him out there on the power play. Why not? I mean, look how bad this power play has been. And again, I, I do say that only half seriously. I, I do think you have to stick with your top guys here, but food for thought at least. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the power play here, you get a couple of chances. You know, Fox Tamika, the one-timer goes wide. A lot of wide shots of the net for the Rangers in this series and in this game as well. Uh, the Devils started the key on the Mika's advantage at one-timer. Uh, Panarin to Kreider looking for the deflection attempt. That wasn't even close. Uh, you had a situation where, and this is the one point where it looked like they were about to score. Mika passes back to Fox. Fox is slowly moving toward the net. He goes around behind the net. I think a lot of the penalty killers for the Devils were anticipating that he was going to get rid of the puck. He never did. He went behind the net, passes back in front to Mika. Mika to his right to Tarasenko, and... You know, the shot just grazes the outside of the goalpost, went wide of the net. Um, this was the one play, I thought, really, of the entire game that the Rangers, like, brilliantly executed a scoring chance. And, you know, the million-dollar question here is if Tarasenko scores, does the game unfold differently? You never know for sure how that's going to affect both teams. But honestly, with the way that the Rangers played in this game, the way they just did not compete at all, I get the feeling they probably would have just lost the game 4-1 to one instead of 4 to nothing. I mean, you never know for sure how a goal there could affect things, but I saw nothing from this Ranger team the rest of this game that suggested that, oh, yeah, if Tarasenko scored there, they would have won. No, there, there was nothing to suggest that uh, even in the slightest. And they don't score here. The second unit gets on the ice for the Rangers toward the end of this power play, and the second unit is just not going to score. The, the second power play unit for the Rangers uh, was, was really rough in this series. I mean— so is the top unit. But the second unit, you feel like they have almost no chance. Uh, so the third power play of the first period, delay of game on ball. And you've got Panarin once again looking for the deflection for Kreider. It wasn't really particularly close to going in. Uh, Panarin feeds Mika for a one-timer. That doesn't go. You get it clear by the Devils uh, with 120 left. The second unit was on the ice about midway through this power play. And once the second unit is on the ice, like I said, you might as well just go back to playing five on five because it's just not going to happen for that unit. They did not even come close to scoring a power play goal uh, this entire series. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that's a, a huge part in this game where the Rangers just failing to convert the power plays, the power play opportunities in the first period that obviously haunted them. And honestly, that might have been the reason why this game was scoreless after the first period. Obviously, you have Igor to thank for that as well. He was very good. But... The Devils, they were skating circles around the Rangers even in the first period, but they kept shooting themselves in the foot by taking these penalties. And so, uh, you know, the Rangers would get a little bit of a reprieve there. At least they're on the power play, and the Devils aren't going to get any scoring chances, you would have to think. 
Um, so maybe that slowed the Devils down a little bit. And once they got away from taking bad penalties, which is what the Devils did in the second and third period, they only took one more penalty the rest of the way. Uh, they were off and running, and it might have been the dumb Devil penalties in the first period were the only reason why the Rangers were even able to stay in this game at all. Uh, we're going to keep everything rolling in just a second. I, I got to call out the bread man in just a minute here, and I hate doing this. You know, I, I hate like burying players on the team. You know, it, it's not a fun thing to do. And clearly, uh, Artemi Panarin was not the only player that underperformed for the Rangers in this playoff run here, if you can even call it a run, the seven games that they played here. But he stood out more than anybody because he's the superstar player and just did not get the job done. And we're going to talk about uh, Panarin and his uh, lackluster performance, shall we say, in the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. And we're going to do that in just a second. But first, we got to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers is brought to you by Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1, and I use it literally every day because I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great, and I wanted to see what all the hype was about. Now, I've been on it for about 11 or 12 months, give or take, and I love it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy. It has kind of a mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to each morning. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging, everything. So, important thing to know about AG1. It is lifestyle-friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, it costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it is cheaper than your cold brew habit. And Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate Daily Nutritional Insurance. All right, let's keep everything rolling here. Uh, our Timmy Panarin just did not get the job done at all in the playoffs. I mean, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here. Uh, judging from New York Ranger Twitter, I'm far from the only uh, Ranger fan that was dissatisfied with what we got from the bread man here. He could not get anything going. I uh, was a ghost in a lot of these games, you know, turn the puck over. He had a turnover in this game that led to a rush for the Devils and a breakaway. That was the Jack Hughes breakaway. Uh, you know, Panarin tried to do like a drop pass or, or something, whatever he was trying to do along the boards on the right side. And it leads to a breakaway for Jack Hughes. Hughes going in alone against Igor. He got Igor moving to his left and then tried to shoot it back in the opposite direction. Nice pad saved by Igor. Got just enough of it to deflect it wide of the uh, far post there. So great job by Igor Shesterkin, who had another uh, outstanding playoff series. Deserved a heck of a lot better from his, his teammates. But to keep the focus on Artemi Panarin here. So to sum up his playoffs, Panarin in Game 1 had a secondary assist on each of the first two goals of the series. The Rangers were up 2-0. Panarin made a couple of nice plays. Secondary assist on the first two goals. Okay, good start here. Um, and I actually did an episode, and I mean, LOL at this at this point, but I did an episode. We had a, a, an extra day bef between Game 1 and Game 2 where I was going to throw out another episode. I'm trying to think, like, okay, like, well, what's the biggest storyline so far here? We've only played one game. Rangers had the big win. Uh, you know, what players stood out and, and who impressed and— uh, what what's going to be big going forward? And, and to me, 
One of the biggest stories from that first game is that Artemi Panarin looked very good, and it wasn't just the two assists. I thought he just played a strong game in general, and I said Panarin might be primed for a uh, a big playoff run, and obviously that was not the case. Little did I know uh, he would not get another point the rest of the way, um, but that's what's crazy about this. If you exclude the first period of game one of this series, you or me would have gotten just as many points the rest of the way as Artemi Panarin got in this series. It was just a stunning, complete no-show um, just, just somebody who, who could not get anything going. And I think part of the problem here, part of the problem is that Artemi Panarin just isn't himself when, when the playoffs roll around, or at least he has not been these last two seasons, uh, with the New York Rangers. You think of Artemi Panarin and you think, first of all, just a tremendously skilled, excellent hockey player. But beyond that, he's somebody that goes out there. He has fun, man. You know, he enjoys playing the game. He's always smiling. He's always goofing around. You got the, the big Panarin leg kick. Uh, he's always having fun with his teammates. He's always talking to them on the bench, you know, just a bouncy, you know, lively player. And then he gets to the playoffs and he's tense, you know, like, and I get it. It's the playoffs. It's big time hockey at this point. You're trying to win a Stanley Cup and there's a lot of pressure, but I don't think you can change who you are from the regular season to the playoffs and expect to be successful. If you're somebody who's jovial and happy and you wear your emotions on your sleeve and you just have a freaking blast playing the game of hockey and that's who you are in the regular season, that's who you need to be in the playoffs too. You can have fun and still take it very seriously. Artemi Panarin, he looks just, I, don't, I was going to say miserable, that might be too strong of a word, but he looks so tense, so stressed in the playoffs, gripping the stick way too tight, overthinking everything, trying to make plays that aren't there. It's just, it, it's not, it has not been a recipe for success for Panarin in the playoffs. The fact that he's undersized, that works against him in the postseason too. You know, obviously, it's a lot more physical, a lot more hitting. It's in-your-face hockey in the playoffs, and uh, the Devils did a great job defending him. But for the second year in a row, Artemi Panarin with a very lackluster showing in the playoffs where he just doesn't look like himself, both from a personality standpoint and also uh, from what he's doing on the ice. It's just not the bread man. I don't know what it is, but it's not Artemi Panarin. It's not the bread man. Um, he forgets to enjoy playing hockey when the playoffs roll around. And, you know, on the MSG post game, I think it was Valaket who mentioned this. Uh, they talked about, you know, the acquisition of Patrick Kane. And we'll get to Kane and some of the other Rangers. Um, they had some lackluster showings in the playoffs. We'll do that, you know, throughout the rest of the week here. But the idea that Valaket put out there was that, you know, with Kane coming over, this is Panarin's buddy. They were together in Chicago. And, you know, Panarin has had some decent playoff showings in the past with Chicago and Columbus. So it's not like he can't do it. But Valaket made the point that Kane coming over was going to be good for Panarin in the playoffs. You know, he'll kind of follow Kane's lead a little bit. And, um, you know, Kane, obviously the cup champion and he'll show Panarin what it takes to do in the playoffs. There was none of that. There was none of that at all. I mean, I know they didn't play on the same line all that often, if at all, in this series, but they were out there uh, for a while in the same power play unit. And, you know, it, it just did not work. It, it just did not work. And and Panarin, man, I mean, there's a lot of Rangers who I, I mentioned earlier in the episode, this performance is going to stick to them. It's not going to stick to anybody uh, the way it's going to stick to Artemi Panarin. And there's a lot of people saying, trade Panarin, do this, do that. You know, he's being paid too much, $11.6 million per season. I get the frustration. I get the anger. The thing is, Artemi Panarin has a full no-move clause. So if he doesn't want to go anywhere, he's not going to go anywhere. And on top of that, you know, trading Panarin, his value's never been lower than it is right now. He just had a complete no-show in the playoffs. Do you really think the other teams in this league aren't going to look at what Panarin just did in the playoffs and have a little bit of a red flag and have their eyebrows go up a little bit? I mean, who would want to trade for him right now? And it's not that he's not a great player. He is. We see what he does in the regular season every year. But coming off of a playoff performance like that, you know, that that's just not going to cut it. And, and the, I don't think a lot of teams are going to be lining up to take on that kind of a playoff performance as well as that high of a cap hit. So, I mean, I think Panarin's back next season. I don't know if maybe fans are going to turn on him. I, I kind of hope not because I think he's a good guy. And uh, I, I don't 
you know, w- wish that on him. But yeah, Panarin, I mean, the bottom line, the dude didn't get it done in the playoffs. Nico Mikola had as many points in the Stanley Cup playoff run for the New York Rangers as Artemi Panarin did. And there was a rumor, too, that, you know, after um, after the playoff run last year, Chris Drury was unhappy with Artemi Panarin. And I don't know that this was ever really confirmed. I'm honestly not really sure where this rumor came from, so take it with a little bit of a grain of salt here. Um, but, you know, maybe maybe it leaked from a member of the front office. Maybe somebody overheard something. But the rumor was that Chris Drury was upset with how Artemi Panarin played in the playoffs last year. Last year in the playoffs, Panarin was clearly not at his best. It got to the point where a lot of us figured that he was playing through some kind of an injury. Uh, but if he was, the Rangers kept that airtight even after the season ended. We never got word of him playing injured or anything like that. Uh, Panarin last year in the playoffs, despite not being at his best and playing indecisive hockey, turning the puck over too much, just not being the bread man, he still ended up with 16 points in 20 games, and he still had a moment that Ranger fans will never forget, a Game 7 overtime winner against the despised rival Pittsburgh Penguins to complete a 3-1 to comeback last year in the playoffs. So Panarin, despite not being at his best, still did some good things for the Rangers in last year's playoffs. There's nothing salvageable about what Artemi Panarin did in the playoffs this year. And so if Drury was upset with Panarin, who, again, despite not playing his best, still ended up with 16 points in 20 games last season— I mean, I can't even imagine what he's thinking about Artemi Panarin uh, right here, right now, after, you know, again, he, he was just a complete no-show uh, for this entire series, just never got it going and never really looked like he was going to get going. It's not like he had bad luck. It's not like uh, he was getting robbed left and right. It's not like he put some shots off the post. It's not like, uh, you know, he made a great pass to his teammate and his teammate shanked the shot. There was none of that. This was just Artemi Panarin not playing good hockey. And again, it's not on just Panarin, but I felt the need to address this right here in the first post postseason episode of Locked on New York Rangers because he stands out more than anybody. He's the highest paid player. He's the superstar player. He's the guy that, you know, always leads the way for the Rangers in the regular season and thus far has not gotten it done uh, for the Rangers in the playoffs. And again, he he's had other good playoff runs, both with the Jackets and with the Blackhawks, uh, but with the Rangers, these two playoff runs, and we're not going to count the 2020 season, the COVID year when they only played three games. Um, he had two points in three games for whatever that's worth. Um, but yeah, these last two years, uh, Artemi Panarin just does not look like himself in the playoffs and just doesn't look like he can get the job done. So to kind of wrap things up here today, I mean, honestly, I might finish this episode and just push record and record the next one because why not? We don't have another game to wait for. The Rangers season is over. And I got a whole lot else to say uh, about this performance by the Rangers. We're going to, in the next episode, call out some players for the Rangers that just did not get the job done. We'll give some props to uh, the players that did show up. And and don't worry, that list is not going to be very long. It starts with Igor Shosturkin and, I mean, maybe one or two other players after that. If that, uh, we'll, we'll see... We'll see how it goes there. If I can pull any positives out of this debacle of a playoff series for the New York Rangers. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that's pretty much it. You know, this is our fourth season of Lockdown New York Rangers. And again, I, I do have to take this opportunity to once again, thank you guys so much for whether you've been listening from day one, this is your first time listening to Lockdown New York Rangers. I invite you to certainly stick around. We got a lot to talk about in the offseason, free agency, trades, uh, the coaching staff, are, are they secure? Are they going to get fired? What's going to happen there? There's a boatload of things. I mean, even Chris Jury, I, I don't know that he's 100% safe either. And I would not move on from Chris Jury at all. But we know that Dolan is not a patient man and he can make some knee jerk decisions. Uh, we'll see how that whole thing goes, uh, you know, going forward here. But yeah, um, I think that's pretty much it. One other thing that I want to definitely talk about in the future too the Hartford Wolfpack. They're still in the playoffs. Uh, they won their best of three series against Springfield, swept them two to nothing in the first round. Uh, they now lead Providence two nothing in the best of five in the semifinals or the division semifinals. Bottom line, to win the Calder, the Pack had to win this series and then three more series. But we're gonna we're gonna maybe lock in on them a little bit more. Uh, we're gonna keep most of the focus on the Rangers, but I certainly want to shout out the Wolfpack since hey, I mean they're still playing right now and uh, the Rangers are not. So. 
Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. In our next episode, we're going to, once again, talk a, talk a little bit about the players that underachieved in the playoffs here and also the players that delivered. And again, very few players that delivered, but we will we will get to that in our next uh, episode. But again, thank you guys so much. Um, everybody, more than welcome to stick around, whether you're an everyday or whether you, um, you know, you're just checking out this show for the first time these last couple episodes. Obviously, the playoffs, everybody wants to, you know, find every podcast and read every article. And uh, again, please do stick around going forward because... The Rangers season might be over, but we're not going to be slowing down here on Locked On New York Rangers. But that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that's at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And definitely subscribe to Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.